couple of months ago, I was having dinner with uh, a group of friends, uh, a couple of married couples. It was like, it was three couples and myself. And uh, we're, all, we're all about the same age. Uh, they all have kids. And uh, most of them, the kids were pretty much out of the house, either uh, out of college or at least in college. So kind of the empty nest thing they were talking a little bit about. Um, and somehow that led to a conversation about parenting and how, uh, kind of how like they raised their kids and the priorities um, that they raised their kids with, the, the things that they considered to be really important. And it was very honest. It was uh, and interesting. Like some said, you know, it, the priorities shifted over the years. Some said they shifted between the first kid and, and the last kid. Um, one, of, one of us said, uh, imagine this situation or this scenario. And I'll ask you to do the same thing. Um, your house is on fire. And uh, you're going to lose the house. It's a pretty serious fire. You're able to get out. What would you take with you? What would you grab on the way out? The clock is ticking. Well, I mean, the obvious thing everybody kind of agreed was people. You know, if there, if there are any other people in the house, well, of course, you've got to get them first. And then one of the guys in this little conversation said, well, let me ask you this. What, what, what time of the year does this fire happen? And we were all like, so who cares when it, when, who cares? And he goes, well, my mother-in-law comes for a couple of weeks each summer. And uh, depending on when the, well, you know. Anyway, it was very much obviously, it was, yeah, you get the people out of the house. If you got any pets, you get the pets out of the house. Then what? And then we kind of added to it. We said, okay, let's imagine this. You got five minutes. For the next five minutes, you can, you can stay in the house and get out what you really want. After that, no more in the house. So the question became, what's gonna make it out to the front lawn of the house? And it really was an interesting conversation. I think it's a really interesting question. What would I take? I think it would be a, a great profile really on our priorities in that moment. What stays and what goes? What's most important? I mean, did you ever, did you ever try out for a team when you're in high school? or try out for a part in a play? Did you make it? Or did you get cut? Well, it's kind of like this house fire thing. What stuff makes it to the front lawn? And what stuff gets cut? What doesn't make it? 
I, mean, I think in a way that's the question that Jesus has asked in this gospel tonight. What commandment matters the most? Of all the commandments, and there were a bunch of them, like we always just think of the 10, right? Well, there were like 600 and something of them. Hundreds of commandments for an Old Testament Jewish person. And this guy, this scribe is saying, give me, give me the one that matters most. Like what's the commandment that you gotta make sure you bring out onto the front lawn? It's gotta survive the fire. And Jesus goes, well, it's not one, it's two. I'm not gonna give you one. These two though, you must get out of the, get out of the burning house. You must protect these two. And we know what they are, we just heard it. They're really, the operative word is love. It's like your, your life has to be kind of centered in and about loving. Loving, here's the two parts to it. It's kind of like a triangle. You got, you know, love at the top, and at both ends you got God and neighbor. And if you pull that triangle out of your house onto your front lawn, you're gonna have a great life. Your life will have had meaning. If I kind of wrap my life around loving God and loving people, I will have gotten it right. The other 600 and whatever commandments doesn't mean they don't matter, doesn't mean they're unimportant or wrong, it's just these two really cover them all. But he says, you gotta do it. You've gotta commit to it. With your heart, with your soul, with your mind, with your strength, like with everything you've got. What else is left? Heart, mind, soul, and muscle? Like that's kinda everything. With all that you've got, he says, these two commandments have got to be protected and defended and rescued if need be. So where were you nine years ago, like right now? Literally nine years ago, right now, like it would have been what? A day and a half after Sandy hit. If you were down here then, like some, some version of cleaning up, drying out, throwing out, regrouping. You know, when, I'm, when I talk to people who were there that night or at that time, I love to ask them about it. If I'm over somebody's house, uh, I always find myself asking like, uh, were you here then? And, and if they were, like, I wanna, I wanna hear about it. I was, I'll tell them, I tell them a little bit about my experience of that crazy time. But I never, I, I never cease to be kind of amazed when I hear people's stories, the details. Like you can't almost forget how crazy it was. A guy making his way across the street from his house to the house across the street, like waist deep water, even higher, even deeper than that water for a period of time, certain areas down here. 
because it was an old guy who lived alone on the second floor apartment of a house. And he walked with a cake. He could, there's no way he could get out on his own, but he was there. So this guy and his son went over to get him and dragged him back through four and a half feet of water. People saying, yeah, like, all right, we, we got to get up. We, mean, we need to move up to the second floor. Like, this is getting crazy. We don't know when this is going to stop. So kind of mobilizing, like, just hard to believe stuff. I was talking to a, a couple about just that, that stuff, and this woman had a great line. She said, uh, after talking about all the struggles, she said, um, she talked about Long Beach. She said, I never saw this city look worse, but I never loved it more. The city never looked worse at that moment, but I never loved it more. And she just proceeded to talk about the people and the response of people during those tough times. There was sort of like this explosion of neighborliness. Your neighbor took on like a greater, I don't know, a greater definition. Expectations kind of shifted in, in great ways. Strangers helped people. Man, down at St. Mary's, we, we opened up the, the, the parish hall. It was filled with all sorts of donated supplies, water, food, blankets, batteries, you name it. And in the middle of that, we set up an altar because the church had completely gotten smashed. So we were celebrating mass in the midst of it. I kind of know what she meant. I mean, they were tough days for me, but they're also kind of great memories as a priest. This love your neighbor thing was like really in high gear. It was happening. I talked to people a lot who were in the city in the, in the days and the weeks after 9-11, and they say the same thing. Like New York City was just different, good different. People were kind of just closer to each other. They, was, they stopped being strangers. They were engaging each other more, looking out for each other. There's all this like love your neighbor thing. It's the one part of that triangle. Love is at the top, neighbor and God are the other, the ends. I mean, listen to this. This is a true story. I'm a 46-year-old woman divorced with three grown kids. After several months of chemotherapy following a mastectomy, I was starting to put my life back together when my doctor called with the results of my last checkup. They found more cancer, and I was devastated. My relatives had not been very supportive, in all honesty, during those, those months. I was the first person, I think, in the family to actually have cancer, and they didn't know how to behave toward me. They tried to be kind, but I had the feeling they almost thought it was contagious. They called on the phone to see how I was doing, but they kept their distance, and it really hurt. Then she says, last Saturday, this is after she's gotten this news about the return of the cancer, last Saturday I headed for the laundromat. You see the same people there almost every week. We exchange greetings and we make small talk. So I pulled into the parking lot, determined not to look depressed. But my spirits really were very low. While taking my laundry out of the car, 
I looked up and saw a man, one of the regulars. He was leaving with his bundle. He smiled and said, good morning, how are you? Suddenly I lost control of myself and I blurted out, this is the worst day of my life. I have more cancer. Then I began to sob. He put his arms around me and he just let me cry. Then he said, I understand. My wife has been through it too. After a few minutes, I felt better. I stammered out my thanks and proceeded on with my laundry. About 15 minutes later, here he came back in, now with his wife. Without saying a word, she walked over and just hugged me. Then she said, I've been there too, so feel free to talk to me. I know what you're going through. I can't tell you how much that meant to me. Here was this total stranger taking her time to give me emotional support and courage to face the future at a time when I was ready to give up. Love your neighbor. You know, it's, uh, I think the challenge is like, we gotta do both. Sometimes we do one very well. There's an example of, man, like just, what a, what a love your neighbor moment. Those Sandy stories, those 9-11 experiences. It's like, man, like that, that part of this gospel tonight, Sometimes we just nail it. We're so good with it, we're so right with it. But you also got the other side, the God part, the love, love God peace. Hey, we're all different, right? Some of us are probably a little better at one than the other. We can't be equally anything with both. Some of us maybe do better with the God stuff. I mean, hey, come on, we probably all have a relative or two, a grandmother or somebody from a, another time. Maybe they're not even with us anymore, but your grandmother or some old aunt or uncle who said more rosaries than you could ever imagine and went to Mass more than the Pope. He or she was constantly in church. Man, they were so good with God, but their attitudes about people, people who were different, people who looked different, people who came from a different place, man, they, made, they weren't always so good with those people. They prejudged, they kept their distance. Good with God, not so good with neighbor. Which one are you better at? I mean, honestly, let's ask ourselves that. Which way, sort of like that conversation we all had that night about our priorities. Which one are we better at? Well, good, whatever that one is, it's like, you know, keep it going, of course. But I think the real challenge is like, okay, the one that I'm less good at, that's the one I have to go after. I can't tell you the number of people in the last couple of days I, who've just sort of, around the church, around the parishes, who've 
who've mentioned to me the president in Rome and their frustration with him. And it's very interesting because I, I think President Biden like, is kind of legitimately serious about practicing his faith. Like he's not just a photo op guy when it has to do with going to church. My brother lives in Delaware. For a while he lived like two miles from where Biden's house is. He said he used to see him at mass all the time. It'd be like a mass, it'd be like this, it'd be a Sunday night. <laughs> well, he wasn't looking for people to see him, but he was there. The day he was inaugurated, he began it with a mass. He talks about God a lot. Like he seems to be pretty good with God. But his position on abortion, it's a scandal. I mean, it's appalling what he's calling for, what he's supporting. Like it's, it's sickening. Man, he's like, He's real good with God, but man, he's not so good with, not so good with those neighbors. The weakest and the most vulnerable. Man, he's kind of turning his back on them. I guess this challenge for us all. What part of this, I don't know, triangle do I need to work on? Like, tonight and tomorrow. Don't wait for a house fire to get serious about what is serious. Don't wait for a 9-11 moment or another Sandy to start thinking about priorities. Rescue only what matters. Rescue love. Love has to make it out of the house. Love has to make it to the front lawn. Love of God and love of neighbor. That's all that matters.